Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. Today we have with us Nick, who is the co-founder of Locum's Nest, having graduated from Imperial Medical School. He later went on to do an academic foundation post where he researched the legacy cost of recruitment practices in the NHS. And what's interesting, while working in the ED department, he taught himself how to product design and created the blueprints for what is an amazing app, as we all know today, Locum's Nest. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Nick. How are you? Welcome to the show. Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. So as is tradition, we know you're doing remarkable work with Locum's Nest, unifying the workforce. Bring it back to the very beginning, a young Nick, when you wanted to grow up and become a doctor. Yeah, so that, that's quite a few years ago now. Uh, but uh, yeah, my story starts in, in Cyprus where I grew up. And like everybody else uh, uh, my age, I, I was trying to decide what to do with my career uh, uh, through the university studies. And I applied to, to study medicine, perhaps not really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, you know everybody else um, and was fortunate enough to be accepted to study medicine at Imperial but before going there I spent two years and a bit uh, um, in the in the army here um, as part of the national service mm-hmm. and how was that transition from growing up in Cyprus studying in Cyprus um, being in the army for two years and then transitioning to a whole different country particularly a school like Imperial, which we know is very, you know, of a certain standard, very academically driven. How was that transition for you, Nick? It was very interesting. Um, you know, I studied A-levels. I went to an English school, like uh, um, a lot of a lot of people coming from Cyprus to study uh, uh, in the UK. So, you know, I wasn't that worried. But when, after spending two years, you know, thinking about anything else other than academic, academic studies. Um, I forgot all my biology, all my chemistry, and <laughs> landed, landed into a course that assumed prior knowledge. Uh, so and there was a bit of a, a learning curve or relearning curve. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed my time, time uh, at uni and... Uh, yeah, it was great and was like, again, everybody else was looking forward to finally becoming a medic. Yeah. Give us give us some insight into what life was like as an Imperial medic. Were there any challenges, particular highs, particular lows, um, particular achievements that you're really proud of? Give us some insight into what it was like. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was it was life in London, uh, which, uh, you know, I really enjoyed. And, and mm. it was a big big class I think 400 plus people so you know that that was a big a big of a change for me uh, I grew up um, uh, st- studying at a, at a school that you know had the same classmates you know since the age of mm. 11 uh, so learning learning new names wasn't easy for me uh, <laughs> but otherwise you know um it was great uh, some uh, life lifelong friendships uh, no. emerged from uni of course which is the beauty of all so you get from medical school um you've enjoyed your time living and studying in london you do a 
academic foundation post which is also quite competitive where you always research driven why did you want to do an afp post as to something like you know the generic cohort yeah um uh, why did i do that i think i was fairly academic at mm. uni um i was again fortunate enough and lucky enough to have had a few a few publications back then mm. i don't know now but i think back then poster presentations counted yeah. Yeah. so <laughs> so i got quite a few points there i had a bsc uh, uh which was mandatory at imperial um and and gained a few extra points there and i thought you know what i securing my future for the next two years mm. why not um yeah. which is 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 it was think it still is the case where it was different you would stay fairly local uh for two years yeah. as a junior doctor so um so i went for it and i was lucky enough to be selected mm. amazing and so tell us a bit more about you know kind of locum's nest we know you you taught yourself product design and you kind of looked and researched the cost of and if inefficiencies of recruitment in NHS what point of your career was this and kind of lead it up to founding locum's nest and kind of you know all the nice juicy bits yeah it's called ward c4 of a certain london hospital yeah. um uh, which uh, was my first job as an mm. f1 mm. and it was fun it was a great 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 experience but we were horribly understaffed um, yeah. like you know, the rest of the NHS. That was 2014, by the way. Okay. Um, and the poor ROTA coordinators were trying desperately to help us and we would get a few uh, agency doctors come and help us um, every so often. So I got chatting to them and they're really nice people, uh, really driven. Some of them were, you know, post the foundation years, taking a gap year and coming to do a week here, a week there, um, to earn some money. Um, and we're discussing, we're like, what if there was an easier way uh, yeah. you could book your shifts? Um, and then there was a yoga app that someone was using that they found super easy. And, you know, I'm sure many, many doctors as junior doctors thought of what if there was an app for this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was 2014, Uber was just beginning, uh, mm. if not later. Um, so, you know, all these, what if there was an app was a you know, cool thing, but um, that was my F1. Then, um, that, by the way, that's where I met Ahmed, the other co-founder. We mm. did a surgical job together, really, really good friends uh, from the outset. And uh, I think it was the summer between F1 and F2 where we were on holiday um, mm. inside, incidentally. And I, I pitched my idea uh, to my friends and uh, the only one who, who <laughs> took it seriously uh, was Ahmed. And we, we came back. Mm. I started my academic job and mm. my supervisor was fantastic and and you know, gave me the opportunity to research whatever I wanted to. Mm. So I, I really wanted to see how big the problem was um, mm. from a financial point of view. Mm. Again, that was 2014, 15, right? Mm. 
and uh, that was before the government had almost discovered the problem that I was about to discover, mm. which was this uh, massive spend on agencies. Yeah. And how we discovered that was by sending FOI requests, freedom of information requests to um, all trusts in the country, asking them about their agency spend. We mm. got a few responses back and then extrapolated and calculated mm. the cost of recruiting temporary workforce through agencies was something like four billion pounds a year. Oh, wow. Yeah, massive, massive amount. Um, and we thought, okay, doctors hate the way they get recruited currently. Mm. Uh, the, the purse, the government purse clearly hates it. It's four billion pounds. Uh, surely there's a way, uh, a, a way to improve things. Um, uh, but that was, you know, the, the idea, the theory uh, behind things was establishing a, a, a market potential um, mm. and, and establishing a pain, pain point that yeah. uh, doctors would have uh, and rota managers, by the way. Um, and we, we set about trying to solve it. Mm. I think the, the hard bits start later, to be honest. Mm. For the listeners that are probably not yet doctors obviously some are already junior doctors describe how the system was before locums nest before having an app what was the typical way you get a locum doctor a temporary doctor so you know this new generation will probably grow up and not realize the, the way it worked yeah i know like uh me i had no clue things were running in the way they did so essentially um you know the nhs is a 24-hour service seven days a week it has gaps, uh, whether uh, it is because of chronic under-recruitment, which, you know, is the case, or, um, or just because gaps emerge in a 24-hour, seven-day service. Mm. Those gaps are filled typically by somebody wishing to do an additional shift. Mm. Uh, we call them locums, is the Latin term for temporary. Um, and there are two types of uh, locum doctors. Those that are already employed or have a relationship with the trust, uh, an organization uh, like a hospital, or those that work through a recruitment agency. Irrespective of that, the problem of filling those gaps in starts with spreadsheets, phone calls, yeah. emails, messages, last minute panic. Could you please come and fill in this shift? Or could you please provide a doctor, dear agent, to fill this shift in for me? Uh, we're three doctors down. We will close a &E if, if nobody turns up. That sort of uh, un, uh, you know, unhelpful buzz. Yeah. Um, does that help answer your yeah. question? No, definitely. So clearly a lot of things happening, a lot of panic, a lot of inefficiencies naturally occur. So you've come up with this idea, you've you've done a bit of research on it, you've pitched your idea and luckily one of your friends believes in it. What happens next? You know, clearly you didn't just sit around on the idea and continue doing nothing. You, you did something about it. So tell us about that process of, you know, how does locumness come into existence? Yeah. Um, so first of all, we decided to uh, take a, a gap year uh, mm. initially. 
we thought, um, <laughs> to, to pursue this silly idea um, or, or wild idea. Instead mm. of going to New Zealand with the rest of our friends, we thought, let's attempt to develop something. Mm -hmm. So whilst working as Foundation Year 2 doctors, I taught myself product design mm. and I put together some mock-ups of mm. what an app could look like. And by the way, when you start doing that, you, you go into the detail of the experience of the user, how they register with the app, mm. how you identify their doctor, how you mm. recruit them, what sort of process. So we designed those elements mm. and made it into a, um, an app-looking thing that wasn't an app, it was just drawings, yeah. um, which we connected together. And we took that to a uh, hospital manager and a, a human resources director at one of the hospitals uh, um, we worked at. And we explained the process. So essentially, instead of calling, emailing, messaging and panicking, you advertise your vacancies or your shifts onto this platform mm. whereby all available doctors or, 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 or licensed doctors would be able to view those shifts irrespective of where they they come from uh, mm. so it's almost like an opening up barriers uh, yeah. uh, and they would just browse for shifts much like they would browse for i don't know shopping on mm. on amazon um and press a button and apply um and express their interest to work that shift. On the other end, which mm. was a web uh, portal, the manager would review that application, approve of reject or reject it, and mm. say the fast forward done uh, 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 a few days later, uh, they would issue a timesheet, again, electronic. Mm. That's another area, by the way, of, of major issues, which yeah. I'm sure will come to later but they would issue an electronic timesheet sign it on the app and then they would be eventually after approval get paid mm -hmm. uh, simple right advertise a shift uh, apply for a shift book a shift and then get paid for it mm. amazing um, tell us a little bit about that actually the the pain point of payments because I, I use the locum nest app actually and it says to you get paid directly as soon as you've pretty much done the shift and that solves a lot of issues with payroll um, so tell us a little bit about that yeah uh, even though we're not a payment uh, provider so we don't pay directly and we don't mm. handle cash um, mm. by speaking to our colleagues we discovered that that wasn't what they cared about that they the main point uh, was that their timesheets would get lost because <laughs> to, to describe the process, yeah. issue this timesheet, uh, which is actually a piece of paper that you'd sign and then copy and there's this little copying mechanism uh, that you would then slide under a door. Uh, <laughs> and that, that could be like this void behind. You, yeah. you have no idea what happens to it. And then eventually you would hope that by next payroll, you'd get paid. And mm -hmm. then you discover that you haven't got paid, but that's like 30 days or 60 days later, and then you'd just be chasing this piece yeah. of paper that nobody knows what happened to, right? So um, lack of information, lack of knowing uh, what happens to your mm -hmm. 
excitement. Mm. Uh, by the way, again, incidentally, during that time where we were researching the bad experience of medics, there was a big paper that came um, out that said timesheet fraud was a major issue in the NHS. So mm -hmm. again, we were lucky to have come across a problem from both ends, mm -hmm. you know, the government purse, but also uh, a major doctor pain point there that the solution would be simple. So what we said, okay, let's create a digital timesheet where on your app, you would, you know, input your hours, right? Straightforward. We, and then we said, okay, let's, let's pioneer something here, uh, some mm. bit of technology and get the digital signature. So you can sign it with your, with your finger. So mm. again, you, 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 you keep the good bits of a time of a paper timesheet and translate them into digital. Mm. And then you send it back to the manager, not through a door, but through a digital portal yeah, um, yeah. where they would review it and then authorize it. And you can put as many authorization steps as needed, right? Um, typically there are two um, uh, steps that hospital management would want to go through. Yeah, no, but definitely. That doesn't solve the whole problem. What, it, what solves <laughs> the whole problem is tracking that progress of mm -hmm. the time. So what we've what we've done there is like an uh, again like a parcel tracker when yeah. you're expecting a delivery we just notify at every single step of the process mm. and problems emerge but you find out about them and you're able to solve them that right there and then by messaging the mm. hospital through your app mm. no definitely um so going back, when you took these mock-ups to the HR director, what was his response? What was he's like, oh, you know, this is absolutely rubbish, Nick. It's never going to work. Or was he like, sign me up? What was his response like? The response of the uh, amazing uh, uh, HR director, um, Nikki Hill, uh, we're, you know, uh, immensely grateful uh, to her contribution to this was uh this is great okay. and i i think uh, the, the journey of any entrepreneur you mm. come up you, you come across uh, some lucky points uh, that mm. you can refer to um of really brilliant minds that buy into your vision um which is nothing more than just uh pieces of paper or drawings mm. together so Nikki said, this will solve so many of our problems. Mm. Um, I only know you as a doctor in a, or as an ex-doctor in a hospital, but mm. if you develop this, we will try it out. Amazing. And that was all we needed. Uh, that's yeah. all we needed to mm. uh, yeah, put some money that we had saved and, and develop it. No, amazing. And so how was that process for you? So I know lots of people, they have the ideas, they map out intricately every little detail, they even know the color, right? How did you, and the issue becomes finding a technical developer or finding that technical, because we as medics, we don't get taught software or coding or engineering. Was that a skill set you had between yourselves? Did you have to outsource? Did you have to bring someone on? Tell us a bit more about that. 
Yeah. No, looking back, one thing we did right was to say we cannot learn how to develop an app <laughs> on own uh, yeah. because that's a different discipline yeah. and this is a complex piece of software. So don't waste our time. And we we designed this, the flow. Yeah. Uh, we, we knew what we wanted and then we found a, a development partner that we would um, work with to develop with. it. Mm -hmm. That's, and we call it the minimum viable product uh, mm -hmm. or Another thing, again, looking back that we did right was to strip it down to the bare minimum. I mean, the mm -hmm. app that you know um, and, and we know and love now, it's, it's completely different, different and a lot more complex than what it was before. What I like about your app um, is it's very intuitive. I love the colors. I love the branding. The marketing is very good. It's in line with a technical company like Facebook, Instagram, which is very different for any NHS healthcare product, which I'm sure you have known working in the system. Tell us about the importance of having good design. Even your Audi is very signature and you already know what type of, what I'm talking about compared to your existing system. So tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, um, you're spot on. Uh, it was our top priority to say, I don't know about you guys, but I always yeah. hate those clinical systems that mm -hmm. were completely sterile <laughs> for no reason i mean you don't need a sterile app you only need a sterile bench uh, yeah. <laughs> as, as a medic um yeah. right and, and but for some reason that that got translated into the design of software yeah we, mm. we had no experience as proper normal consumers we were used to great colorful experiences yeah great design and suddenly we enter the medic world and it's all sterile mm. and so um, I designed the first owl uh, with a very close friend of mine um, which is it was slightly different than the current logo and we thought okay we you know this is the first by the way again a few years ago right so we, yeah. we're, we're going back to 2014 this is the first time something like this would be coming with with, with a, an ex, a user experience that is mm. close to a consumer app experience. Yeah. Um, so let's create this avatar that would be a doctor mm. uh, and that would be used to communicate with the fellow doctors and put them at ease that, yes, it's a piece of software, but it's a really good and, and well-designed piece of software that will mm. guide you through, through what you need to do as, as a doctor. So, um, you, you know, one of our first hires when we raised some uh, 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 money and, and were able to expand the team was uh, Jason, our head of design, mm. uh, one of the best designers out there mm. who has had years of consumer and health experience. And he was mm. totally buying into the same vision or why healthcare has to be boring it hasn't yeah. no definitely and, yeah. and i think it's very good you kind of took that leap because we're talking about years ago like not recently like when not much of this was around i don't think many doctors were using apps for the processes so it was very impressive for you to take um that risk and leap of faith tell us you know you've designed the app you've built it you've got a hospital that's on board that are willing to try it what happened when it went live? You know, what was the response? Did it actually solve any of these pain points? Yeah, we went live 
um, uh, I think it was October, and we moved our uh, HQ, our headquarters, from our sofas to Costa Coffee in the hospital. Very good. <laughs> um, uh, so we were um, working through there. And ironing, we started, I think, in ENT, just one small department. And, you know, one of the first challenges we faced there was, you know, the super thick basement walls of a hospital that have no 3 or 4G connection. So Ah. then realized, okay, okay, you need to be able to issue a timesheet, even if you're offline. Um, Mm. So these are little things that you don't think about. You iron out as you as you um, see it in use. So it was very important to be there mm. when it gets used and see it in action. Mm. Um, and you know what happened a few a few weeks later, uh, actually, sorry, a few months later, we discovered um, to our surprise that a few million pounds were saved. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and and you know that was beyond what we expected um, at these early stages, uh, and so that was all we needed. Um, Enough to validation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To take it to the next stage. How was growth? So what what did you do? So a lot of people that they may not necessarily do a, a locum based app. They're working on other different products and features and services. Obviously, you have so many, so many users now. But how did you? foster growth what was your strategy for growth did you start in one hospital did you deploy across the country yeah um we quickly realized that the the nhs is part is is 200 plus organizations Mm -hmm. that really at that early stage were working in silo um and it's not one one organization really when it comes to um using software um Mm -hmm back then so we we spread from one department to a whole hospital <laughs> um, then from one hospital to a nearby hospital uh, then then uh, another one and then some really great work started where two hospitals started thinking oh, hang on a minute, yes, we're different organizations, but we're so close to each other. We cover the same area um, or overlap. Couldn't we share staff when it comes to that or share a pool of of contingent workforce when it comes to filling shifts? Mm. And so the concept of um, a collaborative um, bank was created Mm. where Hospital A would put out shifts and doctor from hospital B would be able to work that shift without having to duplicate any of the paperwork. By the mm. way, that's mega for for those that are not from the NHS. <laughs> that is a major innovation yeah. where you don't have to do a billion and one um, uh, filling a billion and one paper yeah. piece for, uh, compliance paper to yeah. be able to work in any of that hospital. Mm. That was major the birth of the digital collaborative bank uh, um, uh, those, that was the beginning of, of the digital collaborative bank where mm-hmm. the Royal Sparry uh, Hospital in Ashford and St Peter's um, first decided to to uh, share that 
group of staff. By the way, it's great for the doctors because they yeah, can move on. Um, but it's also great for the for for patients because you know more shifts are being filled. Yeah, of course. By really qualified doctors. Mm, amazing. Uh, I just want to step into your life now, in, in between those years, twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen, right? So. You're working really hard, you're negotiating, you're trying to really understand the problem now. And we're talking with another um, clinical entrepreneur about how it can be extremely challenging. It's not all glory and overnight success as we see Locum's Nest right now. It seems like you just came out and it's an amazing app. Tell us a little bit about what was it like during that period? How many hours were you working? Where were you going? Were you running from A to B constantly? Um, Who were you speaking to constantly? Give us an insight into your life. Yeah. Um, you're constantly um, out of your depth, to be honest. You, you, it, 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 it's all new to you. Um, so uh, the f- first uh, few things uh, one needs to do is, is surround themselves with much cleverer, smarter, and, <laughs> and, 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 and more able people um, than themselves and uh, thankfully uh, we were lucky um, and, and all of the people we work with um, uh, were with us from the beginning and um, you work hard uh, really hard you're stressed because you don't know what tomorrow is like mm-hmm. but um, uh, no single day is the same uh, to these days and it's great and mm. it is not you know as medics you know night shifts are you know painful uh, for, <laughs> right and you <laughs> you do right I, I, I bet you probably finished night shifts recently yeah. um uh but so it's not like you know, it's not more hours than a medic, uh, or you know, I never had to. And this, this is me, by the way. I never had to pull a full all nighter. Um, so, uh, my last night shift was in twenty sixteen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, uh, no, it's it's fun. It's really fun. It's no, uh, definitely, and it seems like you got a very supportive team around you. Tell us. Um, when the the when you are planning to raise money because you know you have an idea you have a product um and you're trying to make it sustainable did you have to seek money early on was it something you could wait on and what advice can you give to other entrepreneurs that are looking to raise money from your experience yeah and the first thing is to decide whether you you need to raise money um, and then what we did was after putting some of our own limited cash uh in get it off the ground we uh, did the so-called uh, family and friends round where by the way that was be- beyond the proof of concept right we had already had a, a really successful pilot uh, generating results so we didn't con people um, you go to your family and to your friends your close uh, people that are close to you that believe in you um, and ask for a um, some money, not a lot, um, in exchange for future equity when a proper a proper financing round is made, and they they get it 
at, uh, at least, uh, you know, there are different models, but they can get it at a discount. So they will put it one pound, but it's as if they're buying two pounds worth of shares down the line. Um, so, you you know, you're promising some something better because they're taking a huge risk. Um, um, Did you then go on to kind of raising money from VCs, angel investors, or was the model sustainable? Um, kind of yeah. tell us about that experience because people are a bit scared, you know, to, they believe in ideas. Some, some ideas you need a lot of money. It might be a product, but they, as medics, we're not familiar with that world. We're not the business world. Um, so kind of share your experience. Yeah. And it, it, it goes back to what I was uh, saying earlier. You, you, you find really good people that understand these sort of things better than you do. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, what we did is we, we raised uh, venture capital, uh, uh, money, um, uh, from some great investors that um, are still with us and invested mm. twice uh, mm. in the company. And it is, I mean, my, my advice here to, to any other entrepreneur is to find really good partners um, that would, uh, because, you know, um, they would typically because they put a you know they take a risk in you in the yeah. company um they would uh, take ownership of a certain part of the company um they would be part of the board of directors the baby grows up and yeah. they are with mm. you, they're with you when it grows up um to help you grow it up yeah. So uh, it's finding great, great partners uh, for it. And we had some, uh, we still have some great, uh, great uh, investors and, and board members uh, that mm. are with us. No, that's, that's good to hear. And I think it's important surrounding yourself with the right people that support you in your vision. Tell us a bit about what your average week looks like. So you're running this company and you know, you, you told us you're looking at a multiple range of products now um, and functionalities. What does an average week look like for Nick? Yeah, I, it, it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, the pandemic has changed uh, <laughs> of life. So uh, the average week for uh, me would be um, um, just working from home. Um, it, you know when when lockdowns and everything were there um and and just be on zoom meetings all day uh, <laughs> until about the evening and then and then the crash comes <laughs> because yeah. you're exhausted by, by the end of it but um now that things are opening up a bit i i uh, sub-specialize out of the two co-founders I, I look after the digital products that we have mm. um, and our engineering team um, is based in Cyprus so I go back and forth um, quite regularly uh, mm. right now I'm, I'm in Cyprus actually um, oh. so you know for me there's a, a lot of uh, traveling abroad um, back and forth um, but yeah no that's and then Key question is, do you enjoy what you're doing? Because sometimes we feel like, oh, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, when you're a co-founder, it's all nice and fun. 
do you still enjoy it because you know when you're starting out it's very exciting and now i imagine there's a lot more meetings a lot more strategy and negotiations so how is that do you, do you still love what you're doing yeah uh, absolutely um it, 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 a job is a job by the way um, and, <laughs> and it has to be taken seriously so if people think that it's it, it's all it's all fun in uh, yeah. you know or whatever it's mm. not but it doesn't make it less interesting, less fun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it is uh, an absolutely uh, incredible job working with uh, a diverse group of people yeah. mm-hmm. uh, coming from various backgrounds and coming from various disciplines. I learn new things every day. Mm-hmm. It is a hugely creative job. Um, mm-hmm not from just a design point of view which you know there are professionals that do it now better than better than mm. i could but <laughs> from any any point of view um mm. you constantly have to uh, think on your feet and, and it's and it's great uh, uh, mm. stressful uh mm. but every job is and um it just you, you know uh, yeah. keeps, keeps the brain thinking and working no. Do you, do you ever miss clinical medicine? Do you ever think, oh man, I kind of miss, kind of miss doing that? <laughs> yeah, um, I do. You know, um, I, I do. Um, uh, it's it was also a great job. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, I really, really loved my uh, time, especially as an F two. When you, yeah, you know, after your ED job, your emergency medicine yeah. job, you become a competent doctor, and you're mm. like. Now, now I rock, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, I, I do miss it. Um, sadly, there isn't for me at least much time to do uh, of both. Um, mm, exactly. But you know, once I think once a doctor, always a doctor. Yeah, you're always able to mm. go back to the yeah. basic yeah. science. And, uh, you know, think of course, exactly. Tell us what. You know what do you hope to achieve in the next few years you've done so well but what would you like to see in the next coming few years yeah uh, locus nest is, is growing really well um and apart from those commercial sort of goals that any any entrepreneur would have for me the by far the most important thing is to get better uh, and better at what we do and that's all uh, when it comes to our software, improving it, not just resting uh, and sitting still and keep improving the mobile app that doctors and other healthcare professionals see, but also the software that hospitals do, keep creating more, adding features, improving, getting better at training and implementing the software in hospitals and really making people's lives easier. Um, no, definitely. And I think what you're doing is so great and it's, it feels like a natural way to book shifts, work, do things comfortably for this new tech savvy generation uh, that are coming and will be avid users of it. Um, we are close to wrapping up. So I wanted to ask you, what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs that may want to do something similar, may have their own idea, but a bit scared, they don't know what to do. What advice would you give Nick? Yeah, um, I, I think it's the, you know fo- follow your dreams mm. sensibly. Uh, take risks where where you can and where you should, um, 
and as we said earlier, uh, surround yourself uh, with better and people than you. Mm. Um, that's the best advice. Find mentors that can give you advice, not you know, that can limit that sort of risk. Um, mm. And the um, uh, you know, um, as the uh, adverts say, when the fun stops, stop. Um, uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy it as much as you can because yeah. it's a journey. You grow, grow with it. Um, yeah. That's true. Amazing. Yeah, we we definitely agree. Uh, we can tell you you're happy. You're in your element. Um, we love the app. A lot of our friends, colleagues use it. Um, so it was a very mm. um, pleasure and honor for Kenya to meeting That's you me. finding your story because sometimes you use these products but you never know who created it what's their story what was their personal experiences and I hope when listeners listen to this they understand okay this is why Locum's Nest is here this is what Nick's vision was uh, and we hope that you grow to even more success and hopefully there will be an international one you know yeah. one day Locum's International exactly. Nest or <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's been a, a massive pleasure so I want to thank you Nick and uh, want to thank the listeners um, for listening to the to the episode. Thank you so much, Nick. And thank you for having me, guys. No, no, it's been a pleasure.